Welcome to the Evidence-Based Therapist, where we read so you don't have to. Here you'll find clinicians and researchers discussing cutting-edge research from the embodied relational sciences, explaining why and how people work together to find healing. Thanks for checking out this podcast. The Evidence-Based Therapist is a project of Think Beyond, a listener-funded media house focused on connecting humans through therapy and art. To keep this podcast going, we'd love for you to support us on Patreon by searching patreon.com slash thinkbeyondhealing in your favorite web browser. And don't forget to check out our new merch by going to our website at connectbeyondhealing.com and clicking on the merchandise tab. Hey, welcome back to the Evidence-Based Therapist. Where we read so you don't have to. But we would love it if you did. I added the harmony there. Did you hear but. that? But. <laughs> anyway. Welcome back. Back. We've, it's been a while. It has been. Life has been pretty crazy. I was going to say, <laughs> shocker to the listeners, <laughs> but we also have a life. Don't get paid for this. We don't get paid for this. And so sometimes it gets a little busy. Some things happen. and I think what's embedded within that, though, and I feel empowered to talk about this because we're talking about myth and subjective experience. What is also meant by us not getting to record the podcast, sadly, is that we don't get to hang out very much in this past month. Yeah. We didn't get to. Yeah. I don't know why I was in present tense yeah. for the past. This is oh. a common liturgy for us. Yeah. Of hanging out, laughing. Before and after a ton. Yeah. Yes, and mm. during. <laughs> and during, yeah, yeah. A lot of during. Yeah, we do laugh a lot in our podcast. Yeah, so it does come with some great jubilance that we sit We're here. back. We're back. We've carved out the schedules. Yep, getting into some We've said no to some things. And said yes to this. says yes to this. Yep, with every yes, there's a no. So, we're recording for the art of original research season Mm -hmm. where the last episode we talked about we're committing to a manuscript and it seems strange that this is the first manuscript that you and i to me anyway it seems strange that this is the first manuscript that you and i like officially out there yeah yeah have committed to doing yeah Yeah. there's like several trainings that we've written together which are like (laughs) there's just these like small things (laughs) called like a three-day training two of them yeah two of them (laughs) That we've written together, but other than that, you're other, right. Other than that, this yeah. is the first project we've... Really, this is the first time we've ever come together intellectually. <laughs> uh, Jokes already. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it is, it is kind of... I think it does take... And knowing where we've been kind of in our careers, it takes some interesting time of like being in the experience of a therapist. And then like at least what we've talked about maybe even off the podcast, but I think it was in the last episode of there's this kind of growing urge that as a therapist do because you're interacting with so, so many stories and across the human experience that there's this like compulsion to create something. Yeah. Like put what you've learned as a human relating to like hundreds of other humans in their healing journey, put out something that, that kind of gives is an expression of that. yeah gives language gives thought to what that's been like yeah and, 
and this project I'm I'm really excited for because it in a way I feel like honors not just this epoch of our professional experience but also a lot of our uh, cultural upbringing mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And so I think it's an it's an amazing opportunity to get to really look at the two and the space they create mm-hmm. of before, now and now and to do it together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel like I would like to like name that for people who are listening that may start to get the urge to create some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like because I think as we were talking through the outline, which will be kind of what we review today, one of the common experiences was this like thrust of excitement in us. And then it's like, okay, maybe that's too much to say in one <laughs> one paper. Yeah, yeah. But that to me, like that moment of like <gasps> Like, I got excited. Like, yeah, this jolt of energy. Like, that is, like, your body telling you, okay, there's a breadcrumb trail. Yeah. There's something important. Do you remember what one of the... Because I remember we wrote this outline a month ago or so, but do you remember even in that conversation what some of those were for you? Of, like, we sat down to put this together and here comes a rush of, oh, we could do so much in this and this and this and this. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do we... How do we honor that excitement and kind of stay on this path of coming to a specific project? Yeah. Well, I think the the thing that gets me really excited is, um, and this is kind of what, if you look at the history of a lot of psychological theorists, they usually, and there's a lot of variation here, but there's a common theme in some writers where they'll start individual and by the end of their lives and end of their careers, they're writing very cultural, culturally minded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like what we're processing through of like then labeling, labeling these scientific theories in a slightly different way, calling them myths or calling them uh, even like origin stories, mm-hmm. I just feels like it clicked something that allows them to expand into totally different fields like oh now we can analyze and compare and contrast the origin story of polyvagal theory and a very common at least where we live origin story that people are kind of led by mm-hmm. in christian uh in the christian epoch of genesis like, yeah to just have the ability for those languages that and those fields that feel very distant yeah to come to sit find at the a table. Yeah, to find a link that like, oh, these are both myths or these are both origin stories. Yeah. Now we have like the associative network that allows us to to think about them. And yeah. I remember wanting to like once we started talking in that way, I was like, oh, we could do attachment theory. Oh, we could do like body psych. We could do yeah, uh, there's all of these we origin could go more stories. Philosophical. Yeah. We could go yeah. more therapy based. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and us having a moment of like, well, we can't write Maybe. a book yet. Right. Maybe. But, yeah. And that was from, you know, so this, this project is also kind of like a meta experience for me of getting to share in a more tangible way than I've ever been able to with you, the experiences I've had in university and in what growth I've gone through since we shared a classroom together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So years of work. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember when I started my doctorate program, it was like, 
I just felt like I was teeming with that exact energy that you were talking about. Of like, I mean, I'm just like ready to go. Now mm-hmm. the doors are open and I just feel like let's like run. Yeah. And it was through building a relationship, thankfully, with somebody that saw what I was really interested in, which was like human experience in general, and said, let me show you how to think in a way that can be academically productive mm. and still honoring to your heart and mind, mm. not in any way trying to extinguish or deny or you know, otherwise shut down any yeah. of your interests, but say like, let's think of this in terms of a larger research interest mm. and piece that together, then try to make one thing become everything yeah that you wanted it to yeah well yeah it's 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 like putting the lit review together but you're like putting that lit review ahead yeah so okay this is kind of the review i will hope to do in in the years to come yes and each project becomes like a section of that literature review yeah yeah you're just you just learning how to uh train your jedi skills over the last like three or four years four years yeah Yeah. exactly yes yeah just been hanging out with the force. and yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just getting hit a lot in the head <laughs> with like the blindfolds I've had to wear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Just That's so a good difficult. metaphor. It is really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, you know, we talked in the opening episode, but just to kind of recap, this topic for a publication came from a lot of shared experience with clients. And just with people in our lives mm-hmm. over these, you know, really decades mm-hmm. <laughs> of lived experience of what it's like to try and find yourself in context. And all that that means, you know, culturally, yeah. phenomenologically, experientially, and personally. Mm-hmm. And seeing what before us as therapists slash academics what before us can help us orient in that environment Mm, mm -hmm. and just by shared interest again pbt offers an incredible which we'll get into so much in this season offers an incredibly robust anthropological evolutionary myth Mm -hmm. of our origin that i think offers an a beautiful reflection of a long-standing ancient cultural myth mm-hmm. in the Christian origin story as it is in Genesis. Yeah. And so we just kind of sat back and said, what would it be like to try and put these two at a dinner together, so yeah. to speak, and see what they might offer each other? Not in any way to like which one's right or any burden of correctness but just seeing maybe there's some harmony and resonance and some important dissonance Mm. that can be found that together we can learn a lot from yeah yeah i think and this is a bit of an edgy take but i think there's there's something in being a therapist where we're constantly learning how to speak the language of our clients um Mm. i was just talking to a friend of mine uh and he is another podcast. Uh, shout out Jason Morrison, uh, if you're listening. But he was he, he like had a subtitle in one of his podcasts called uh, "The Limits of My Language Are the Limits of Your Attention." Oh, nice. And so, and I feel that all the time in therapy. Like 
I can talk about polyvagal theory or I could do some sort of education and use some sort of language, but I can feel when the language becomes nonsense because it's not speaking to the experience and, and not so much maybe speaking to the experience, but using language that catches the experience mm. in a way that my client is, is used to. Intelligibly. Or, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I can, can like understand and connect with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like an interesting dance that we do all the time in therapy is yes. learning to speak different languages, which like shatters the idea that there's only one way to speak a truth. Yeah. Or one way to do a therapy. Yeah. Or one way to conceptualize a case. Yeah. You know, you just said something that the the concise nature of your language undermines the gravity of what you've just put into words, which is that we're in the midst of a translation. Always. In, in therapy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, always, for sure. Yeah. And almost especially or for some reason in my mind it like highlights it with more specificity that that moment of of encounter in therapy is one of the most complex and incomplete translations that we find ourselves in as human beings who are therapists Mm -hmm. because you're bringing in your own experience of life Mm -hmm. and trying to say okay i feel like we can understand each other reasonably well enough to set goals (laughs) and start working through things whatever that means yeah and get to a different place on the other side again whatever that means Mm -hmm. um so yeah just almost like steep in that for a second that hey if you're listening to this and you're a therapist like good on you yeah for Committing to a life of translation. Yeah, and I would like say that it, even if you only knew English as a quote unquote like official language, you're learning to be bilingual mm. with or like polylinguistic yeah. with your clients because I, I, I don't know, like I'll sit with, we were just talking about a client who's uh, just emerging into the teen years and like the language I'm learning to speak with them is very different from my middle-aged clients. But what's fascinating is there's like an element of truth that is so similar. Yeah. We're so just learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, enig- it's enigmatic, but mm-hmm. it's true. And so <laughs> we have to find these different pragmatic ways to talk about it. Yeah. Because even between another 10 year old. Different. Totally different yeah. language. Yeah. Between their siblings. Mm-hmm. totally different language even if they were twins like yeah. totally different language because that is one of the mm, mysterious phenomenon of human consciousness mm-hmm. is it's a totally unique dispensation of reality mm-hmm. you're experiencing something through your lived experience yeah even though we're looking at the same exact thing yeah yeah. Talking about the same exact thing, quote unquote. Yeah. Which I can't help but feel so stoked again about this like manuscript because like the idea that because I think there's some writings where it's just like I'm going to just analyze the stories that my client tells mm. or I'm just going to analyze like the stories as therapists we believe um, or metaphors we could use, whatever. I think this feels like I don't know, it 
qualitatively, it feels like another step to say, like, it's not an analysis, it's a translation. Mm. It's a kind of, it's, it's, for as much as it's dissecting, it's, um, what would be the word, like, resecting? Mm. Mm. So, die being splitting, but right. we're trying to, like, what, we, what we'll split between the two myths of polyvagal theory and the biblical Genesis account. We will also resect or oh, like yeah. build again, yeah. Um, and that just that translative art feels so cool, and I'm it's so captivating. Yeah, you know, it's addicting. Um, so just before we get into the outline, um, <laughs> when you it, and it, it's it's a translation that we're also having to do again for publication. Mm. So yeah, we've got our own series of uh, like a centrifuge of translations that we're putting together to even talk about this and then we have to take that and look at the language specifications for the journal in terms of structure point awareness of pre-existing literature etc and have a conversation with that mm -hmm. translating 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 and see if we can come on you know come to the other side of it with a submission that yeah. is publishable mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think it's a language puzzle. It it really is. Yeah. And and one thing I would I feel like I've noted just in talking with you about the the then translation into publication is um I think in in grad school the things I was writing and the resources I was citing and and all of that there's there was still a lot of researching like reading and searching out new ideas, new authors, all of that. But I think there was there was already like a wealth of immersion yeah. in in what what you've called citable units, mm -hmm. um, where there's these writers and these pieces that we were already kind of digesting. Yeah, finding our like foundation. Yeah, for thought. Yeah, this article is it's kind of been interesting to feel um, feel a different path, which is uh, we're sort of launching from a clinical intuition mm. and exploring the academic yeah. like um uh kind of language yeah, for it and process and then mm -hmm. seeking to take it further so like i don't know i think it's it feels important to me for listeners to know like we don't already have yeah. a million like citable units we kind of we do have some like yeah, yeah. coming top of mind but we're not like Starting we don't with, know this before we've started. Exactly. Um, Which is why, uh, you know, to me, it makes such a great centerpiece for this podcast season. Because mm. it's like, yeah, like, this is genuinely an interest. It's meaningful. It has all of the recipe ingredients for a good publication mm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. And in, like, how I understand this process and, and even teach this process. like. It's just something that this is where good scholarship comes from, or at least in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it has the potential to be something really meaningful. So when we're at this stage of we've got these ideas, we've got the previous experience, we think we want to give it a go. Now we have an opportunity to start dipping our toe into organizing this series of thoughts and translations into something that tells mm -hmm. a cogent story. Yeah. With good publication, you're addressing quantitatively it would be described as a gap in the field. 
there's an absence of thought or mm. discovery that needs to be positivistically uh, explored and yeah. expanded yeah. quantitatively. Whereas what we're talking about right now is a theoretical research paper that has a inherent or qualitative philosophy behind it, which is experiential. It doesn't, it's not bound by satisfying a quantitative statistical significance. Yeah, rigor, you know, validity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's going to feel different, which I'm excited for this podcast, like in the listeners, to feel what it's like, because you're not going to hear statistical significant thresholds or mm. you know anything like that. Um, you're going to hear how we're coming to saturation with these domains of ideas mm. um, and the crystallization process that comes to now turning it into something that can be communicated intelligibly. Yeah. Because yeah. we've got PVT on one side and we've got Genesis on the other and we're starting a conversation for what's going on in human experience. Yeah. yeah. Asking both of these huge domains. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's kind of where we started with the outline is like, Asking the question, not only how do you communicate, but like, what's the purpose in doing both? Mm. Like, why explore PVT and the Genesis account in the biblical yeah. narrative? Yeah. Um, do you feel okay to jump into the? I, I that was a T. That was that, a T up. Put it up on the T. Crank it. Crank yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would just love to hear, even as you're making sense of it now how you would begin to answer that question of why ask PVT and Genesis about human experience? Yeah, I think um, the, my initial gut is, I think we came, we've come into the world of therapy with like a, a foundational bedrock in inner subjectivity mm -hmm. that it, it feels like it, it, I almost forget how central it is and that in some circles, central it is to me and in some circles it's, it's like Not. a new concept yeah. <laughs> um, because everything meaningful, everything that matters, like both in the abstract meaning sense and in the biological like um, viscera. Sensation. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. like the yeah. biological matter. Yeah. Anything that matters is relational. Yeah. Um, so like your cells are relational, atoms are relational, Reality. the words I share to, yeah. uh, to you right now are relational, the ideas that we're coming up with are relational. And so I think in that way, it, it just made sense that we would, we would explore something that is how do I foster more relational connection mm. um, with my clients. And mm. I think given my history, uh, kind of growing up in an evangelical culture and world. And the, still living still, in a steeped... Yeah, yeah. Bible Belt of America. Christocentric culture. Yes. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, it was an interesting... I have kind of my own, at times, aversion yeah, yeah. to the way that the, the myth or story of Christianity uh, was both being relayed and affecting clients. Mm. And there's this, like, tension with talking through that for mm -hmm. me um using that language so again we're talking about like as a therapist i'm learning my client's way of talking Which, and trying to use that language to them yeah to zoom into what you what i 
what I think you mean by that, and just to make space of the implicit, when you say learning the language of your clients, you are learning how to hear what they're actually saying, mm, mm-hmm. as well as the mechanisms of thought generation implicit yeah. in their linguistic process. Yeah. So that is such a, I mean, to me, one of the most exciting ideas <laughs> is like, how do you learn to talk about your experience? Mm. You know, this goes back to some of the earliest ideas in SIP of why are you talking like this right now? Why mm-hmm. are you using the words you're using? Yeah. Who's talking and why? Yeah. yeah. Like what, what's actually going on? If we looked deeper than just the face value of the articulated word, mm-hmm. like how did you bring those to thoughts together to make those words come out of your mouth Mm -hmm. (laughs) because what's communicated and held in that implicit and explicit process is a person's sense of self the world around them the end of their life the beginning of their life the nature of reality Mm -hmm. it's held in the simplest sentence but it just flutters across our ears as oh this is someone just said something yeah i don't know what it means but embedded in it is everything yeah well and there's yeah there's like this interesting like um mesmerizing quality of like the fact that we both speak english i'm in the illusion that i think i know what you mean when you say something yes and i think as a therapist (laughs) yes we're constantly holding space for like i don't think i totally understand and like we have to though i think i do yeah Yeah. otherwise we we would just never ask questions yeah like we're literally trained to ask questions because yep. we're operating with the kind of base assumption that like, though you're speaking English, I don't totally know what that means to you. Yeah. Like, I need to know kind of, and really like the lit review of the podcast so far is like, what are the like deeper processes that give way to, and meanings that are made socially, biologically, neurobiologically that give way to this language you're using? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Like an easy one for me is um, like when clients will talk about and particularly ones that are are kind of of the uh, Christian uh, belief system is this like feeling of um, like my body will lead me astray. Now my body is bad. The body is bad. The flesh is bad. Um, I want to know so much more about the story of that belief Um, because as as just a, a belief. Look, okay, like maybe I disagree, maybe I don't, but like as a therapist, I want to know like what does that really mean to you mm-hmm. that that you say that, um, yeah, and is it even you saying that, yeah, um, and what are the implications of the belief? Hmm. that to me is a really meaningful question because even if it's not said explicitly, often it's it's not. You know, when it comes to somebody talking about their desire or what they want or what they think they're capable of doing, that thought might be operating at the mechanism level Mm. of all of their beliefs of self that, well, even though I want this thing or I want to do this thing or I want to pursue this thing, what's accusing me internally is that I'm well, it starts as the flesh is bad or my body is, you know, the home of sin. Mm-hmm. And so 
maybe I should question my desires. Maybe I should stop even thinking if I'm good and just know that I'm bad. Like it turns into all these things. Not necessarily, but it could. Mm -hmm. And culturally, it often comes out that way. Yeah. That, well, what you want is bad. And the common denominator theory shows that you're bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I will, and like, and we can turn the script so quickly, or like, I guess, turn the mirror. Yeah. It's like to think back then to like the therapists. Like, we all, we have, we're not immune to this because we're human. Yeah. We have our own fads, we have our own stories that, that tell us where we should and should not go. Yep. Quote unquote. And, um, like polyvagal theory is just one example we plucked out of the hat because we're yep. interested in it out of the many that we could talk about. And it adds a robust theory of anthropological evolution, yeah. which is why it is unique. We'll get to yeah. that more. But well, and that's yeah. why it's like I have to be careful as a therapist and be aware of what my myths yeah. are saying we, <laughs> where we should go in therapy Yeah. Um, rather than seeking for the, and this is like the language that we'll get into is like, what if the two myths that we hold, which are held by two subjects, yeah. what if they met and created something new? Yeah, which is what happens in therapy. Yeah, good therapy. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and maybe a good is, is a strong arm, but like... Good if it's explicit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I think it happens all the time. Yeah. But when it can be an aware process that's mm. co-created, I think that's when man, we're really attuning to each other. Yeah. We're trying to at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's the thing. And just as you're listening to this, even thinking about, are you aware that your, the myths that you bring into the room, which is like how I understand myself, what I think good work is that we're getting ready to do, if I think I'm a good person or not, <laughs> if I think that what I want is good or want is bad, if, you know, those are in, those are examples of, the meaning you're making of the myths mm-hmm. of your life, which yeah. are taught to you, which are discovered in early attachment relationships and reflected to you culturally yeah. <laughs> all over the world. Um, but are you aware that those things meet their counterparts and your clients mm-hmm. that have the same, um, the, the same experience of being human in that their myths are learned and discovered and implicitly operating under the surface mm-hmm. um that we're not really aware of all the time yeah like can you just think of what that's like yeah and when i sit across from somebody they're actually making sense of the world in a unique way and so am i yeah yeah i think it's it's interesting to me and i wonder if listeners are having this like experience i, I don't i have no way to ask that i guess except for if you are having this maybe shoot us an email or something but <laughs> yeah like i wonder if there's the experience of like why are you guys talking about stories or myths yeah. so much um and i think that's like a very fair question to ask is yeah. like why are we talking or even caring about the stories we tell ourselves and and i'd, I'd be curious like what what your answer is to like why talk about stories or myths or even maybe do the like the the move of saying science itself is still a story i was gonna say my gut reaction when you ask that question is that it's the only thing that matters to human beings and i really believe that yeah it's not like a a psychological game i'm trying to play i mean it Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and I think if you look back at the entire human story, well, damn it, I said it. I said the word <laughs> in why I'm like justifying it, but like, like this isn't like a definition. You can use the word. Okay, cool. Yeah. But like, we don't want to break any rules. <laughs> um, but it, if we look back at all of human ex- existence, I think the belief in story and whether or not you feel seen and joined in your belief of that story is what shaped all of evolution you know when just think about uh, (laughs) making a community you know moving from individual hunter-gatherer society to now larger cultural experiences those are around shared and dissonant beliefs Mm -hmm. and where you have a increase in the dissonance of stories held you're going to see conflict yeah where you see resonance of story you're going to see growth in that community and evolution of that community and that really is a reductionistic way in my mind of yes looking at how story has shaped human existence and development yeah yeah relationships and yeah cultural expansion we don't connect if we're not feeling some resonance in the story Mm -hmm. yeah we interpret each other as enemies yeah yeah oh yeah and and i think like in biological neurobiological terms like the idea that like there are largely um in the right brain left brain Mm. theory of your brain the division point of your brain that there are whole parts of your brain that just want to make sense of your senses yeah and story telling a progressive uh, arc of story um, is a way that our left hemisphere tries to make sense of what what we're experiencing. And I think so often, like, one of the stories that comes to my mind in therapy is, like, diagnoses. Yeah. Diagnoses are a hidden story that connect people to an experience that says, like, I'm not the only one. Yeah. I'm not crazy. I'm not an oddball. I'm not, like... I'm not this wild case of dysfunction. It's like, no, other people have experienced I'm a categorizable. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And yeah. hidden in the diagnosis is an origin point or, or an etymology. And then it's kind of a path forward. Hopefully some treatment yeah. options. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love just thinking of like everything that we talk about in some way is connected to a story. And that's why it's important to, analyze the stories we are talking about in therapy and the yeah and totally for me there's almost more and i'd be curious to hear your experience of this caleb but for me there's almost a there's almost more interest in me of the stories that we don't know we're feeling and living in yeah like oh, yeah the integration of the stories that we're aware of are interesting. Mm-hmm. But those often, in my experience, are not the ones running the show. Mm. It's actually the stories that are deeper, more unconscious, but nevertheless vivid yeah. and visceral in our bodies that make the most impact. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we'll get there in a second, but like one of the subtitles. Uh, or kind of section headers uh, for the article is from Wizard of Oz. And to me, 
Wizard of Oz is a very interesting story of this, the hidden stories that actually have a ton of control. You know, the wizard isn't a wizard, but he's told a good story from a distance that has allowed him to maintain this power in a whole world. Yeah, a universe. Yeah. And and that ends up being a dream. Which is, yes. is just and the yeah. journey into this story more and more, the partaking of it that the that these that um the characters go through mm-hmm. reveals the deeper story. Yeah. Oh, that you're a like subject. You're just another human who got caught up in a in the tornado or the storm right, and right. found themselves here and um you're not trying to get home, but I am. Mm. But then you come with it's like it's such a great like, so many mirrors. Yeah, it's such a great yeah. metaphor for what you're talking about. Of like the stories that we're not aware we're telling are usually the ones that matter the most. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's again just a really fickle and beautiful way the human mind has evolved um, to just embed and operate from implicit story that make cogent sense of the world around me yeah that's the adaptive brain that's the uh trend brain that's the yeah um, that's the way seven large brains <laughs> yeah exactly systems. yes yeah. exactly like, like that the 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 i don't want anyone to hear this as being a totally different direction than this podcast has ever gone through we're just now speaking from the platform of the literature review that mm-hmm. is the previous however many episodes there have been yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. Like listen with those ears. Yes. Because that's where the juice is. <laughs> like in my mind, like that's squeeze that's where, that orange. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> that's where the sweet nectar really <laughs> comes to be. Um, but this moves me to the next um so two people meet in therapy. We've talked about that. That's like that's kind of where we're gonna start with this exploration is what's actually happening mm. when two people meet in therapy. Yes, there's the objective client reports to therapist for psychotherapeutic counseling goals yes but what does it mean that they're both human yeah oh my gosh that means that they're bringing in this endless universe or universes of experience and meaning making processes Mm -hmm. for themselves for another person or then all the way down to what does it mean that there's a plant in this room? <laughs> like, yeah. what does it mean that there's a coaster on the table? What does it mean that there's a whiteboard? That there's yeah. all of these things that this person's wearing this type of shirt. We have so many endless, really, processes going on to help us make meaning of the present through the lenses of the past mm. for the prediction of the future. Oh, yes. That exists at the personal, the relational, the cultural, and the spiritual level, which moves me to that second point of integration. Yeah. So this way of thinking and making meaning of the implications of this psychotherapeutic encounter when two people meet in therapy has obviously been talked about a lot in our field since the beginning. Really. Yeah. And in that conversation, this is one of the beauty, the beauties of working with large scale literature reviews is that you get to now hear from a wealth of voices that have talked about this. Mm -hmm. And since that conversation has been going, one of the ways of incorporating a robust conceptualization of a human being is to talk about their biological, their psychological, their social, and their spiritual experience 
biopsychosocial, spiritual, and sometimes you'll have cultural in there as well. Mm-hmm. That's the five factor model of a holistic conceptualization. Again, doesn't incorporate everything, but that the bones of that five piece model have been in the field of psychotherapy since the beginning. Some things valued more, some things valued less, yeah. but they've been there. Yeah. And the way we're talking, you really do need to have some sense of those elements to make sense of any moment, like have explorations of the different breadcrumb trails for each of those. What's going on in the biological world? What's going on in the psychological world? What's going on in the social world, the cultural world, and then the spiritual world? Um, Now, what individual meaning people make of each of those things, that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. But that is just the bones of how our field has handled this moment of encounter is that, well, we use evaluation and assessment to think about and make some objective sense of what is actually going on in this moment right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one kind of dynamic that comes to mind, and particularly in the counseling field, is a shift from uh, multicultural awareness to multicultural humility. Humility, yeah. And, and I think the awareness uh, can get into this interesting stereotypical mm. um, uh, containment of the individual that will sit across from you. You know, if they're yeah. of a certain socioeconomic status or race or spiritual orientation, then you're going to form therapy in this direction, which is an objectification of that. Human. And that's on the competency side. Yeah, 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 yeah. The humility is, as I think, what we're Advocating this article. For. This article feels like it is. It to me is attempting a, a leap in the humility um, perspective and posture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of trying to say, okay, like let let's not objectify or um, caricature any myth away from being readily usable in therapy let's see if we can make sense together mm-hmm. of how finding a common shared healthy integrative goal is what therapy is all about yeah. i want to collaborate with my client um not kind of pigeonhole and and get all of the nice assessments that tell us where yeah. we're going to go specifically it's can we be in the muddy waters and making mm-hmm. sense together yeah because imagine if you had and I, I say this rhetorically because we've seen and heard plenty of these versions of assessment. Mm. <laughs> but imagine, so biopsychosocial, spiritual, cultural. Imagine you are sitting with somebody who you, from a competency side, determine, okay, so you're overweight, you're depressed. You're, so you're overweight and white, you're depressed, you don't have any friends, you live in a less than affluent social climate mm-hmm. and you're a Christian. Like the the objectification that just went into making that person and the person that you're seeing in your mind, if you are, like that is the competency side of our field that says that person has a treatment program designed for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which like, that's absurd. You don't know anything about the person. Yeah, it's not for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 You don't know anything about them, but you have confidence in a treatment approach just because the competency side of our field has said that's what we need to be doing. We need yeah. to be tailoring treatments for assessment categories. Yeah. That is the competency side. Yeah. Whereas if we went to 
the humility side, it changes everything. Mm. Like the way we even start to hear and interact with one another. Like I want us to almost break away from what, or at least establish from the beginning of this conversation that even things like Christian don't have the objectifying categorical (laughs) kind of implications that they might on a spiritual assessment, quote unquote. That's not why we're talking about it. No. It's because of the humility element of actually just sitting with and starting to make sense of someone's experience with them as a translator. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and we've, I think we've been fairly open about like, this is a particularly like, I don't want to say, well, maybe tense. But this is a translation with our clients that that brings up stuff for us. And mm-hmm. it would be easy to objectify and mm-hmm. go as so far as, you know, refer out. We're mm-hmm. not a good fit. Yeah. Um, or kind of not talk about the things that are mm-hmm. actually meaningful to the clients. You know, these stories, these religious beliefs, X, Y, Z. You know, that's the competency like yeah. side. And, and I think. We're pretty open about wanting this to be a project that helps us be able to hold that space better. Yeah. Um, hold the space where two humans, them as the client, me as the therapist, mm-hmm. can work together and yeah. make sense and meaning that is healing for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that, talking about the meanings that are healing for them. And that, to me, is where if you are a therapist and you're thinking about, you know, how you interact with your clients and how you start to make meaning of what they're saying and how that informs your treatment direction. That's where we're talking about. It's really important to at least have some inquiry going in your mind into the worldview Mm -hmm. of the client. And worldview is a recognizable academic term for this group of experiences that we're talking about. Um, that you're thinking through, like, how do they make sense of their world and how they see themselves in it? Yeah. What's your, what's your self narrative? Exactly. What's your origin story? Where do you see yourself going? Therapy has an interesting role in like, it could, therapy could create more dissonance in a client Mm -hmm. because where therapeutically we want to go and what we've identified as like measures of healthier life, um, could create attention with their maybe conscious but also potentially unconscious beliefs about who they are where they've been and where they're going and the they who they are like see how the individual connects with a larger Mm -hmm. story of other humans like Mm -hmm. for the christian story like there is a ton of emphasis on like this you are a part of a bigger story yeah like as a human yeah that is fundamental to the narrative yeah like you're of the people of god which you know just in that narrative is a beautiful inclusion into a community that has a purpose that has a whole story that's working its way through i think in that as well it it and spiritualities in general do this but they they have a claim or series of claims for the the fabric of the universe of how it's all held together. Yeah. You know, laws or morals or beliefs that that 
actually work to hold it together and make sense of good, make sense of bad, make sense of, you know, retribution and punishment and sin and, you know, all these theories or, or constructs, at least, that, that are coming to mind when you hear the word spirituality. These are mechanisms of that cultural worldview that establish worth and value and acceptance and, and, and you know, how a person finds themselves in the world. Um, yeah. And that, that goes on to like shape us uh, futuristically too. Yeah. Like I think one of the cool things, so in kind of the outline so far, what we've talked about is two people meeting in therapy and how there is this sort of objective experience. And then there's the, the more emotional, deeper, <laughs> unconscious, subjective experience Super of two humans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we're talking about integration of the two humans, mm -hmm. not the prioritization of one over the other and the power dynamic there. Yeah. Um, but then thinking, okay, if we're seeking integration with two humans on a journey of healing together, mm. then highlighting the myths that are forming what we even know as health, yeah. healing, goodness, mm. become really important to name. Yeah. Um, because... And this is where like PVT does feel like it's it's perfectly positioned. Yes. Because in PVT they have the phrase in their theory that story follows state. Mm -hmm. And we kind of take that from a developmental psych perspective to Big say goal. story follows state which follows the story. story. Yeah. And there's this sort of reciprocal influence of the stories I tell or connect to about my experience then form the experiences I'm going to keep on having. Yeah. Um and yep. that, which gives life a direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and really matters mm -hmm. both in health and in unhealth, both yeah. in pleasure and in pain. What story are we saying we're a part of in this moment? Yeah. Um, because that's going to affect. And that's where, like, if there's not the explicit naming of the therapist and client myths and the working together, then we could be perpetuating states of tension which then have stories of disintegration and perpetuation yeah yep. and yeah that goes on it snowballs yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes even if it takes a long time that's still an unhealthy snowball yeah um, and you know there are so many examples of this um this reality in fact every client relationship you have every relationship you have is an example of this but just thinking about where some of this comes into play really explicitly. Um, I'm thinking of like a, a person who is struggling with OCD. Um, we've, you know, we've talked about a case like this before where this is a perfect diagnostic example of implicit and explicit stories in conflict with present and past experience mm. for the future. Mm -hmm. where it, it's not, obviously it's not rational that they believe that if they leave their phone charger plugged into the wall, that it's going to burn the house down and their family's going to die and it's going to be their fault. Mm -hmm. But that's what they understand in their mind and experience as to why they stay up all night checking mm -hmm. if the phone charger is unplugged from the wall. Mm -hmm. Because, well, I, I don't know. And the consequences are so great. I better check again. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I just checked that and I think it was, but now I don't know. Let me check again. Mm -hmm. And they end up staying up all night 
because of that. Yeah. Like that's not a breakdown of like you would look at that and say like just like you just checked it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, that's not actually the point. Yeah. Yeah. The phone charger is not the point. Yeah. It's the story underneath. That's what would it mean? It. Yeah. If well, one, what does it mean that that's a possibility that it can burn? Yeah. Oh, that's scary. And then what does it Out mean if it happened? And what would yeah. it mean if a person died because of it? Mm -hmm. And what would it mean if they then somehow, if it was your fault? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The meaning. Yeah. The, the, the arc, mm -hmm. the, the origin story, where does the story come from? You know, where maybe that story of the, the plug-in and the wall even those questions being provocative that you're naming is like, it stokes my brain to say, yeah, this feels like we're in chapter like 12 of a story. And I'm really curious about, <laughs> you know, one through 11. Let's meet some of these yeah. characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, when did this become such an important thing to avoid? Yeah. Um, but then also like, what does it mean that, you know, the future chapters, we can't just start naming as like, I don't know getting you to not worry like the terrible chapter header if we don't yeah, know don't worry <laughs> one through 11 yeah um yeah yeah it doesn't fit at all mm, no yeah wouldn't make any sense yeah um hmm. I'm just kind of taking stock of like the progression so far yeah maybe maybe a little bit of a review yeah just because we've we've flowed through it really fast so what 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 we've come to in the in boiling down if we simmered um our raw excitement into ideas we want to explore yep one of them is that there is a level of depth when two people meet in therapy that involves subjective experience and objective experience from that idea alone then kind of brings up into question how do two humans with subjective experience talk to one another in a way that helps them integrate new experiences and new ideas and new ways of being in the world and from there then what we've kind of mentioned is that instead of cultural competence mm -hmm. which uh, objectifies and and points in a direction without naming it yeah just sort of implicitly decides yeah this is where this should go yeah we're advocating more for like a cultural humility which then has to name the, the organizing myths and yeah. stories of the therapeutic moment um or the therapeutic encounter relationship <laughs> yeah um and from there recognizing that Every person has a story that they see themselves a part of. Yeah. And it's important to name and ask about that story. It's also important as a therapist to know what stories you're relying on to guide you in yeah. therapy. And then to be aware that polyvagal theory has a evolutionary and well, let's, developmental. Let's leave the theories out okay, for okay, a second. Okay. I feel like we were I feel like this could set us up for a great pause moment. So you said, you know, thinking about the myths of the moment and like what mm. we really got to understand or just take a second to think about and acknowledge the importance of that. Yeah. 
and that that's really the task of of a therapist if we're talking about humility and uh, a a posture of sensitivity toward mm. the meaning making of our client and ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, not just seeing this one moment as a diagnostic make or break, but as oh, this is a relationship that's building and unfolding. Yeah. And so as we invest in that and as we ourselves are changed in the process of that investment, let's look at some of the ways of organizing that experience. Mm. From there, I think that's where we first like the we, the reason we wove that together for the manuscript outline is to get to the place where it makes sense now that we can say so what like stock myths might populate someone's mind yeah what you know if all of this is true like the outline that we just laid out which i think is pretty consistent mm-hmm. what could somebody come into the room with on both sides of the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That to me is a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, therapist, what are you coming to that room with? Yeah. That you know and that you don't know? Okay, client, what are you coming to that room with that you know and that you don't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think of just a little bit of like a statement to add to it is like we just have fancy ways of talking about that that involve other words so the translation theory complex do you yeah. come yeah. into the room with or what or, techniques yeah for clients it might sound more instead of story it's what truths do they come with like yeah this is true this is the way the world is this is who i am this yeah is that might not. come out as memories or mm-hmm. symptoms or you know just different ways that they're saying i need help mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. yeah embedded in all of that are these these myths and the mechanisms of how that thing operates yeah you know if a client comes in and says well and i have i have depression and they start giving you this like history of how that has gone the way they're weaving all that together and the language they're using and the reason, like the fact that they would even come in, sit down and say, well, you know, what brought you to therapy today? Well, I've got depression and, you know, this is what it's been like for me and here's what I think it's keeping me from. And um, so I'd really like to just work on that. Even in something like that, you can hear, okay, there's elements of being out of control in that. There's so, so many unexplored trails of, being alone, mm-hmm. of feeling powerless. All those have deep streams yeah. of meaning and history behind them. Yeah. Or even just like uh, this subtle language around like the lasting quality of experiences. Like, this is, well, yeah, I've just always been depressed. Yeah. I have depression. Yeah. I or am depressed. I just kind of always have this lingering feeling. It's, it's you know, okay, what? What story allows that to be a, a thought or an ex, a, a belief? How do you make sense that, of that? That is just okay. Yeah. Because um, as a therapist, that's, that's a challenging thought of like, I have stories in my head, theories, quote unquote, that tell me that that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that there's a last. But then I also know of other stories and writings that say that's a natural part of human that experience. That just is. There is a depressive 
part of us. Yeah. And and so then, what about that? Tension? Yeah, yeah. How do I make sense of that? How do we talk about that? Yeah. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and that you know what's what's so to me important about that is that along that divided tension that you just kind of illuminated are all of our theoretical paradigms, are all of our technique packagings. Mm. That just in that one thing, like. If somebody says, I am depressed, what does that do for you? (laughs) Mm. It's like, oh, you know, does it create a sense of urgency around, well, then they need to do X, Y, and Z? Does it create just to tell me more? Mm -hmm. Like a, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's hear what's made of it. You're going to now see divisions of therapists Mm. all coming around like, well, this is the myth that I subscribe to about Mm -hmm. what was just said. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm over here and we're at odds. Yeah. CBT doesn't like psychoan- psychoanalytic conceptualization of depression. Yeah. And vice versa as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Groups based on myth affiliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that we haven't mentioned and we, we probably won't explore a ton in the article, but um, coherence of self mm-hmm. in the attachment relational sciences is like a yeah, core. I remember this was like a candidate for like, oh, we could make a section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And should we? And would it? But it almost feels like it would be its own article. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, and thank you for pointing that out because I was like, well, there's 50 page articles, right? Right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Called a book. Yeah, um, or anything by Alan Shore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He gets to publish whatever he wants. He does. Yeah, at this point, Frontiers will just give him the go-ahead, I'm sure. Oh, you want to publish them? Yeah. Sweet. There's 12,000 downloads. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the idea of like a coherent self-narrative is the one of the key moderating factors of uh, psychological health. Yes. And in your coherent self-narrative, you, you have a connection to the larger story of a relational self-narrative. Yes. Um, I love that you bring that up because that actually launches us into the final two kind of headings here because coherence of self is an amazing way to look at what is evolutionarily consistent across human evolution, human development, mm. which is that life tends to last longer and is healthier when the narratives are coherent, Yeah, which what that means is I can make sense of why the world is the way that it is and the way I am in it, the way others are in it. I have more confidence that I can predict the outcome of everyday life when I feel more coherent in the narrative and Mm -hmm. how I understand it. Life determinants of wellness and health are worsened by an incoherent Mm -hmm. narrative when I don't understand yeah why the way it the why the way the world is the way that it is why i'm the way i am why other people are the way they are i can't reasonably predict what's going to happen humans do better on the former side of that spectrum Mm -hmm. when we're coherent when our wellness or when our narratives are coherent when we feel like we can predict right or wrong doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter (laughs) like yeah if i feel like i understand and can reasonably predict the outcome Mm -hmm. i'm going to feel better yeah. One, yeah, I love that you're including that word prediction mm. in because I think when people think coherent self-narrative, they think backwards. They right. think historical. Yeah. But the reason the history matters is because you're, is. you're this is like 
interpersonal neurobiology 101, you're remembering the future. Yeah. So you're going into the future with an ever-present past. Yes. Yeah. I haven't gotten to share this with you, uh, but I was in a call recently and somebody was talking about um, trauma. And the way they were talking about trauma was like, it, it felt bigger than the language was giving way to at the time. Like, mm. it was like this omniscient being in itself trauma mm. was. Mm-hmm. So I said, one of the things that fascinates me most about trauma as a therapist is how, I think I said it as, how frustratingly simple it is for humans. Mm. And what I said was, the reason trauma matters at all if it does is because it makes you worried that your efforts to keep bad things from happening won't work. Mm. Mm. Like that's why trauma matters to the human being. Yeah. It makes you worried. It's an example of reason you should worry that your efforts to keep bad things from happening won't work. To me, that like wraps up this whole thing of the reason <laughs> our past matters is because it helps us understand the prediction, uh, confidence yeah. for the present. Yeah. And trauma says, well, here's a series of examples that should bring you serious doubt mm-hmm. that you can, one, predict what's going to happen, and two, have any sense of control. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, feel like the the uh, linchpin or the uh, teetering point of that whole sentence is the word bad. Yeah. Like bad what, can happen. what is a bad thing? Mm. How do we know that? Who says something is bad? Right. Um, ooh, it's even like the remnants of the Genesis story. Oh, yeah. like who told you, yeah. you know, not to yeah. eat? Like, or yes. who told you that you were naked? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. How did you know that was bad or yeah. not? That was, yeah, um, taught meaning. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also from a polyvagal theory, like... Yeah, how do you can, learn cues of safety and danger? Yeah, yeah. And what dangers are bad in what context? Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Because do you have ones. social connection? Do you have a mixed state? Yeah. Yeah. Is rough and tumble play okay? Mm-hmm. When does it cross the line? Yeah. When does a social cue of a glance turn into... Mm. Maybe a threat. Mm-hmm. When does a noise turn into a threat? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the last two sections. Last two I sections. almost feel like we just give like the teaser and then maybe the next. Yeah. Because we'll I feel like the explore. next um, maybe uh, episodes and, and I kind of major chunks of the work will be um, outlining like the from the myths of the moment. Mm. What are the myths of the moment? That we inhabit and yeah. occupy ourselves. Yeah. And that we are in the article seeking yeah. to yeah. bring awareness yeah. to. Mm. So the next one, and we alluded to it earlier, is that we're not in Kansas anymore. Discovering polyvagal theory in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Which is like a play, like that. So many play on yeah. myths. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the idea that like Kansas like Missouri, like where we are, is in the Bible Belt. Yep. And to go, it's so interesting, like to go back to Eden, to go back to the Genesis story, Mm -hmm. means that you leave 
earth, right? You go to heaven yeah. to like read about how did we get to earth. And, but also there's this sort of like dreaminess in like, can we still discover the evolutionary yeah. story of how we evolved? Yeah. PBT. And I, hope we, I hope we get to do, and perhaps this, this might be what we do is we devote entire episodes to each of these headings. Oh, yeah. Because within this one, I would really love to explore even just a brief synopsis of various interpretations of this theory mm. or of this uh, story, this myth oh, yeah. of Genesis. Because the implications are so enigmatic of everyday life. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the way that you make sense of just this brief story page one and two of the bible like mm -hmm. you know it's 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 the beginning narrative of where humans came from you know regardless of what you believe about the you know historicity of it or whatever you know stay out of that mm -hmm. for just a second but just like listen to the story because if you if we can do that together across a very diverse you know range of worldviews and people groups we can hear something important that there's a very robust culture laid out in those pages. Mm -hmm. There's an economy of worth, of good and bad, mm -hmm. right and wrong. There's a movement of time established. Mm -hmm. Really all you need for a meaning-making ethos is yeah. established in that, in that story. Yeah. And little do we know that in our Bible Belt culture, it dominates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What whoever's interpretation of whatever they take from it, yeah, dominates. Yeah, yeah, and and I'd love to explore in that section, like maybe even giving language to how some of those, like some of the ideas, unconsciously dictate the culture of maybe somewhere oh, like the Midwest. For like, sure, and it is, and I thank you for that clarification. It is unconscious, yeah, yeah to a yeah, large degree, yeah, outside of like church people and talk and stuff like that, like. Yeah. I'm talking about, and we're talking about, it is, it, it's there. Yeah. It's in, it's in the, I don't even know that language, yeah. but like, it's just, it is animating the movement of time and culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a haunting president. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Phantasmic in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else on that one? No, I think, I think. I, that one feels more like I just want the. To I just want it to be named. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot that that's there. Yeah, for sure. A lot of play. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the last one is polyvagal theory, an emerging genesis of the modern therapist. Mm. Which is just such a cool. It's so good. Yeah, which I think we've already been riffing on a ton of like. Yeah. What's what are some of the stories that we tell ourselves in therapy? Yeah. Of like where we're where where we've been, where we should go in therapy towards health. Yeah. Where, what does the destination of health look like? Um, polyvagal yeah. theory does give, and it's kind of like a, a I don't. I want to say a fad because that feels like it minimizes it because right. it is an actually dope <laughs> <laughs> theory um, and very helpful. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of a fad. Yeah. So like very hot topic. acknowledging yeah. that and uh, okay, what is polyvagal theory? Theory. 
what's the story that it lays out? Yeah. Yes. For us to follow. There's a reason that it has such a captivating potential to be the informer of various techniques. Mm. You know, polyvagal informed XYZ. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that it has the potential to do that. You know, you don't hear, I can't even think of examples because they're like other versions of something informed this that doesn't carry the same potential that polyvagal theory does. Like there's a reason that that construct even works in our field. Yeah. You, there's, yeah, there's not like a Carl Rogers informed. Right. Or EMDR. even something like silly, like there's not a, like a whiteboard informed psychotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Because there's not, there's not the Enough. components of what something like polyvagal theory brings. Yeah. It brings a tool for explaining for making sense of Mm -hmm. and for predicting yeah and by that process we can inform therapy techniques to hopefully use this what is so often a really compassionate you know de-shaming and informative uh, process of coming to know your body and what animates you in certain contexts and what Mm -hmm. makes you feel safe yeah 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 and I, I think more than most, it feels like it goes farther back mm. um, as far as like yeah. its evolutionary reach. Yes. Feels like it does a very similar thing that the biblical Genesis account yep. does, like from the beginning. Fairly Poly- unprecedented in our, fi- in our field. Mm. You know, outside of Darwin and Freud's, I mean, yeah. everything else is talking about really like present relational dynamics. Yeah. There's not a lot of other examples that actually take the same burden of exploration that PBT does to say, Mm -hmm. no, this is where we came from. Yeah. From the where our reactions came from. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Where the nervous system came from and and how it was shaped over time. So that's why just in brief, these two narratives might provide some interesting dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so stoked. I think translation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I don't know, just the, I think what we, this feels like it's ending where we began of like the, the quality of learning to play with what is real, but maybe not named in therapy Mm. feels super important. Like there are, there's a reality to people engaging these stories as, like North Star compasses totally. <laughs> for their life. And as a therapist, I do not take lightly that I'm trying to help someone get to what they and the larger world considers health. Yeah. Um, and sometimes those it's are conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, creating their own myth mm-hmm. of themselves, um, which myth is not like fake. Myth is a meaningful story. Yeah. Um, and, a narrative architecture mm-hmm. for experience. Understanding, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just feel so cool to, to be able to, it, it feels like, I mean, maybe this goes without saying, but like we could do this with any number of myths and theories of psychological health. Yeah. Um, we've just sort of chosen two that seem to have piqued our interest and for me personally, caused and tension. Are, yes, and like, are personally meaningful. Yeah, uh, in 
their dissonance. Yeah. I have an invested like desire that this article helps me feel less tension. Yeah. In answer therapy. some questions yeah. and <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Um, and be a better therapist, not mm. just uh, live with this unspoken tension of like, oh, I don't know if I totally believe that or oh, like, fits. how yeah. does this fit into what I think is best? And yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. And that's what good research does, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, I think there's just in closing, one of the things I've learned about pursuing research as like a life um, is that it, I guess I had a perspective of research before that you, as a researcher, have this research opportunity and then that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think with this as an example, it's like, no, you are changed by your process. Like the research that you're doing, if it's good, it's meaningful. Mm -hmm. It it goes to the core of you. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, That is the point, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that echoes so much what we were channeling in the kind of intro to this season is like you know we're we're as therapists being in spaces where the client is being changed yeah. so often and we're being changed because we learn stuff and uh, yeah 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 so you use oh, all that good stuff go. yeah but there is something like qualitatively different to creating something that brings your unconscious or implicit to consciousness or explicit spaces for you to then receive what's been in you. Yeah. Which is like a paradox. Yes. Like in this project, we will receive things that were implicitly in us. Yes. Before we're writing that we'll see explicitly and, and then be changed. Get by. to actually have a relationship with it. Yeah. 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 Which is, I mean, that's, if ever there was a reason why I want people to like listen to the season and go do their own stuff. It's for like, that. Yeah. yeah. Go, go, go get you some of that. <laughs> go be changed by the you that you didn't know is in you um, because you're feeling these things all the time. They just yeah. need to be in the words of Donald Stern, like th- that is unformulated experience. That's right. That needs to be put to a form art, a consultation, an article, a video, a picture, whatever your experience is desiring to be formulated. Yes. And, that's, and then reintegrated. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. Different. Yeah. Each, oh yeah. I'm so excited. Well, That's the episode. Onward and upward. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you stay curious and create community around discussing the research that matters most to clinicians and researchers. If you're curious to learn more about something you heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming case conceptualization trainings and community events. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes. Leave us a review and follow us on social media by searching the Evidence-Based Therapist Podcast.